Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the 1970 Podcast. My name is Ed. Joining me, as always, is Mark Damon. And today is Friday, July 10th. And it's a big day. We had the Champions League draw. I did not see it live. I caught it just right after the breaking news. So this podcast is going to be all about that. But before we dive into the implications of the draw and what it means for PSG, let's uh, introduce my co-host, Mark Damon. Mark, how's everything on your end doing? Well, besides this uh, tropical storm we got coming our way here in the New York uh, metropolitan area, we are actually doing all right. Um, I woke up this morning not expecting to be in the situation that we see ourselves in right now, but, you know, well, here we are. Here we are indeed. Um, it was a very unexpected. Everyone thought that, you know, it's PSG. We always draw, you know, Real Madrid or Barcelona or Manchester City. You know, we never get the easy draw. And uh, that, that wasn't the case. It actually worked out pretty well. You know, there's no easy team at this stage. But um, all things considered, it was a, a pretty good draw for PSG, wouldn't you say? How would you, if you had to give it a letter grade, what would you grade it? Well, you'd have to give it an A. Yeah. Because, you know, we talk about sort of, you know, what would be the easy or difficult draws for PSG in the quarterfinals. And when I think PSG fans are happy about this draw, it's not that, we think Atalanta is some sort of joke team. It's that it's compared to what? Yeah. So, you know, we're comparing this to having to play a Bayern Munich or a Manchester City or a Juventus or a Barcelona in that quarterfinal, especially knowing that they haven't played, PSG haven't played a competitive match in four months. I mean, they're going to get five, six kind of warm-ups to get going, but, man, having to play Bayern Munich in the quarterfinal would have been, I think really, really difficult. Like I, I think that that might've been a bridge too far. So yeah, like if the choice was between sort of Atalanta and RB Leipzig is the two sort of easier draws. I think that, yeah, you have to give this an a there's, you know, and it's again, not a knock on Atalanta. It's just, compare it to what you could have gotten especially in the circumstances this is a this is a good you know sort of justice being served thing here after all the years of PSG getting you know Barcelona in the quarterfinals when they were at their peak or getting Chelsea when Chelsea was still Chelsea at their peak you know coming off Champions League trophies in the quarterfinals and then having to play Man City in a quarterfinal and then the two years in a row of having to play Barcelona and Real Madrid in the round of 16. And then, you know, City was a, sorry, Manchester United was a fair draw last year. and We kind of screwed that up. So, like, we've kind of, <laughs> we've had our share of difficult draws. And to get what looks to be an easier path to a possible final, where if we're just sort of doing this on paper... PSG is clearly the best of those four teams, Atalanta, Leipzig, and Atletico Madrid right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, we don't play these games on paper. We play them on grass. But PSG are the favorite to get to the final. I, I think there shouldn't be a real long debate about that. You can maybe say that Atletico Madrid has the experience and they have the defense to sort of shut down PSG's attack. But even still, like, I, I still think PSG are the favorite to get to that out of this side of the bracket. Yeah, I mean, it was impressive what Atletico Madrid did to Liverpool. If you're going to say, oh, PSG's attack is so great, you know, you could probably make the argument that Liverpool is just as good at going forward, if not better, considering their accomplishments the past year. So Atletico does worry me, but I think you're right. I think PSG has to be the favorite. Um, let, let's just reset for a second, just the, the draw in, in general. So the quarterfinal, number one, will be between either Real Madrid or Manchester City versus Lyon or Juventus. Then you've got Leipzig and uh, Atletico in the quarterfinal two. Quarterfinal three will be uh, either Napoli or Barcelona versus uh, Chelsea or Bayern Munich. 
And then you have the, the fourth quarterfinal, which would be Atlanta and PSG. So we kind of talked about this on the last 1970, where we were worried about PSG would go up, you know, be drawn against a team that has yet to play. So maybe a, a Napoli or Barcelona. And then they would only have maybe a couple days to prepare. But as it worked out, all the teams that qualify for the quarterfinals already were matched up against each other. And those still playing are going to be matched up against each other. I don't think that was... Do you think that was intentional or do you think that's just how it worked out? It had to be intentional, right? Well, I don't... Eh, I, it's tough to throw that around because you have to you know, have proof and evidence of it. But I think it's fair. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it was you know, designed that way or not, it, it was absolutely fair. Like, that's, that should have been the rule to, to start with. Like, just in the simple fact that, yeah, it wouldn't have been fair if Atletico drew Atalanta and then we had to wait for the winner of Real Madrid and, <laughs> and Manchester City. Like, that, how fair would that have been? And I'd be on this podcast complaining about that and saying, why didn't they, you know, figure that out? Why didn't they uh, make a decision to prevent something like that from happening, which is a clear... You know, it would have been a clear disadvantage. So now no one really has a disadvantage. Right. So it works out well, I think, for what they needed to have happen. And PSG now has a month to prepare for for Atalanta. And they'll have two cup matches. They'll have probably about four, uh, four uh, friendly matches. Yeah. There's three so on the books a- right now. There's three uh, schedulers. There's a yeah. Belgian team. Celtic and uh, this Sunday you've got Lahav. Yeah, and then you'll have a, a game. Some there's rumors of a game happening on the fifth of August. They're going to need a game in between the yeah Coupe de uh, La Ligue and the Champions League game. They're going to need a game, maybe two. I think one would be enough just to get them on a a week on a rotation playing a game every week. Yeah. So like I th- I think they'll be all right with that. They'll find another. They'll find another game, and then they'll be able to go into the Champions League with six games under their belt. But, you know, I I think w- when we looked at the, the draws, when it happened, I think there was there's a lot of, and I'll sort of get into it, get into the Atalanta part of it mm-hmm. now. I'm seeing already that there's this sort of, uh, I, this, there's this, like, how do I put this? There's this, <laughs> so, this, like, Inside soccer, inside football, sort of the experts, the, the the fanatics of it, the that are that are trying to make this argument that Atalanta is somehow in an even playing field with PSG, or somehow that they may have some sort of advantage. That Atalanta attacks really well. They've been playing in Syria. They've won seven games in a row. They're third in Syria. PSG are coming off a four-month break. And I'm seeing from a lot of the pundits, that's the word I was looking for, a yeah. lot of the pundits where it's like, Atalanta has PSG right where they want them. If there's going to be an upset, it's going to be right here. And you knew that was going to happen. Because let's be completely honest. And I'm sure that now that I say it like this, it's going to reverse jinx itself. But I don't care because I'm going to tell you, as you know, I'm going to tell you how I feel. And I'm going to tell you what I think, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And when I thought that PSG had no chance to beat Borussia Dortmund in the second match, I believed that. Because they had given me no evidence of the contrary. Now we're in a slightly different situation. And I'm going to take them all case by case. And in this case, Atlanta has very little chance. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Now, no, let's, now, uh, no I'm saying it. Let's be clear. <laughs> I, and, and you'll run the tape back if PSG lose, and we'll explain why I was wrong. But I'm not going to lie to people. I'm not going to try to say that this is some even game. This is a mismatch. This is a absolute, utter mismatch. And I'm going to give you my reasons why it is. Now, Atalanta has been impressive for a team that is essentially a mid-table Serie A side. They're not much more than that. Now, they have some good players. Uh, Joseph uh, Ilishik is a good midfield player. They have some guys that can get the ball in the back of the net. I'm going to be honest. I haven't been watching Atalanta games all year. 
but I'm catching up on the highlights. They seem like a team. They seem like a team that tries to play like Manchester City. A lot of neat little passing. A lot of trying to get close to goal. They don't seem like the you know, the sort of smash and grab counter team. Are we really and worried about a, a 32 year old um, Ilicic? I mean, is that is that who we're worried about right now? That's what everyone's all up in arms about. Well, he's their best. He's their best player, I think. I mean, I've yeah, but that's what I mean. Look, we, we've got 21-year-old Kylian Mbappe and a, and a guy you might know by the name of Neymar, and we're supposed to be worried about 32. But, look, I, I understand. And, yeah, and the, give them credit. Like, they're doing a lot of team-oriented, good passing. Like, it's it's a they're, – they're doing the mini Barcelona, mini Manchester City act, and people love that stuff. Like football purists love the way that Atalanta play, and I, I understand it. They're not shy. They're not going into a shell. They're playing attacking football, and they're beating teams. And that's how you now, get beat five one by Manchester City earlier this year, as well, they did. Well, you're getting ahead of me there because <laughs> if you look, if you really look into Atalanta's record, and if you really sort of examine it, let's go. Let's start with their group stage. Atalanta was in a group stage with Manchester City, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Dinamo Zagreb. So, European superpowers. Yes, all European, <laughs> absolute all European superpowers. Now, did they, were they impressive in that group? No. No, they they got through that group with seven points. So they beat Zagreb, they beat Shakhtar Donetsk once each they also lost to those two teams once mm-hmm. each and then they lost to manchester city and then drew manchester city a 10-man manchester city okay so they got in essentially on a technicality they got in with seven points which rarely happens the only time that happens is when a group is just so unbelievably lopsided and bad that you sneak in with the one draw <laughs> now in the round of 16, they played Valencia. Mm-hmm. Now, le- if let me go into this to the La Liga standings. Maybe you can get a look at, the, at those standings before um, before I can. But yeah. I, I think I have them up here. Valencia are currently eighth. Eighth in La Liga. No wait. Yeah, they're eighth. Yeah, you're right. They have yes. So they're eighth in La Liga. Let me go back to the group stage for a second because I forgot one thing. Atalanta scored eight goals and gave up twelve, so they made it to the to the to the round of sixteen with a negative goal differential. And seven that points. doesn't happen. That doesn't happen a lot either. So it's not like they've been beating the best teams in Europe by any stretch of the imagination. And if you look at their their winning streak since the return. Mm-hmm. They have beaten, let's go back here. They have beaten. They, they beat Lazio. They beat Sampdoria, Napoli. Cal, they've, they've beaten Sampdoria, Cagliari. They beat Napoli at home on their, at, at their place 2-0. They beat Udinese. They beat Lazio, who's the second place team, 3-2. They beat Sassuolo. You know, before the break, they beat Lecce 7-2, Roma 2-1, Fiorentina 2-1. They tied Genoa. They beat Torino 7-0. So, you know, it's not. this is not 2008 Barcelona we're talking about here. <laughs> this is a mid to higher mid-table Serie A team. Who have yet to beat a team? Who have, I'm so. And let's you know. Let's say for the record, the the bet. What is their most impressive win? The whole mm-hmm. year would be possibly Lazio. They beat Shakhtar Donetsk on the road. That's a little impressive. I, I don't think anything they, at, during the you know since the return from the coronavirus. I don't really count really any of those wins because there's no fans. The the player, it's just a weird moment right now, and I don't think so. You got to, you know, they they drew against Lazio. Maybe that's impressive, three three, but you know, Lazio's kind of fallen off. They were in a title race, and now they've just kind of gone nowhere. So I don't know if that's an impressive win, really. They they are a 
good team. They play like a good team. You have to take them, you know, you take them seriously because they can beat PSG. It's it's a one-game playoff. Yeah. Anything can happen. It's basically March but, Madness. I mean, this could yeah. be Loyola, Chicago. What was it when they went to the Final Four or something? It could yeah, be like it was that. Loyola, Chicago, or, or George Mason from mm-hmm. about 10 years back. But if we're going to start having the argument that Atalanta is at some sort of advantage, that's just hipster, you know, <laughs> soccer pundit bullshit. That's not real. That's, a, that's imaginary. That's pretend land. PSG are clearly the better team. They have pretty much 11 out of the 11 best players. Like, if we were doing a best 11, do, do any, does any Atalanta player make it? No. So that kind of tells you where we are. So PSG have a golden opportunity. They have to be serious about it, and they have to take it. They can't take Atalanta lightly. They have to, you know, play the way that they're going to play to win. They have to have a good strategy. They can't just go into the game thinking that Atalanta are going to lay down for them. Because I don't think Atalanta's afraid of PSG. I think they'll go out and attack. PSG have to be ready for that, and they have to be on their game. Like, it, there's no excuses here. This is a game that they absolutely should win. And if PSG does what PSG should do, they will win. It's not a game against Bayern Munich or Manchester City where PSG can play as well as they can and still lose. Right. This is a game against a team that if PSG plays a if if PSG gives a B plus performance or a B performance, they're still probably going to win. If they give their A performance, they're definitely going to win. There's no doubt. Atalanta can't stay with that. They can't defend that high quality of athlete. Just not. It's not possible if PSG are playing up to their standard. So, I think that you know we have to we have to respect the opponent. I think PSG have to respect who they're playing. Sure. Yeah. They have to have a game plan designed to neutralize them. And I think Thomas Tuchel's no idiot. He knows how to put game plans together. He's done it, you know, really well the last two years. To be, to, you know, to be honest, he's been pretty good at one game, make a plan, make it work. And people don't understand something. You know, Atalanta's not just going to walk in and score five goals against PSG. That's not how this works. No. It's just not like the, you know, really the one time PSG got you know, in the last few years got really shredded was that Barcelona match. And even that was two penalty kicks, a free kick goal and some shenanigans (laughs) like they're not, you know, and I would say Bayern in seven in 2017 kind of ripped them apart a little, but those were very different defenses than the one you have right now. This defense shut Liverpool down. This defense shut Real Madrid down. They've shut um, Borussia Dortmund down. Like they've, this team is a really solidly good defensive team. It's not like they're, you know, Atlanta's Atlanta's. I'm going to say Atlanta a couple times <laughs> when I'm, uh, I yeah, I just just be ready for that over the course of the next month. I'm reigning MLS Cup champions. Yes. So yeah, Atlanta United is they. You know, they're not going to just. <laughs> They're not just going to run over Marquinhos and Kimpembe and Bernat. It's not, that's not how this is going to work. Like, PSG have a world-class midfield. Again, Verratti is not going to get overrun by these guys. It's just, you know, and I don't think Valencia is some high-level La Liga team that it's really impressive for Atlanta to beat. Right. So, you know, you have to keep all of this in perspective. And... If we keep it all in perspective, we understand that, I'll keep saying it, golden opportunity. They may not get a better chance than this. This yeah. is this is right there. And if PSG can manage to get it together and do what they've been doing during this Champions League run and play the sort of tough-nosed, opportunistic football, and you see the style that PSG want to play. Like, it's really obvious, and they've done it the last two years, and it's, it's been effective when they've been able to do it, which is they jump on teams, they score early, and then they, then they pull out the boa constrictor. Hmm. 
And that's what they did to Dortmund. They scored the two goals in the first half, and they brought out the boa constrictor. And Dortmund didn't even get close the entire second half. And are we are we thinking that Atalanta's offense is better than Dortmund? I don't think so. Not even close. Probably not. I think I Dortmund's think got have, far superior athletes. Yeah, they don't have the talent of Sancho and Holland and Hakimi and those guys. They don't have that. And they what, don't have that. Level yeah, of and PSG completely shut them down. Yes. And so to think, what is it, Ilicic? To think that he's going to come in and get past Kimpembe? I mean, it's laughable to think that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's possible. It's football. Anything can happen. But like to sit here and boast like, watch out, PSG. You don't know what you're in for. It's like, come on. No, it's it's going to be like playing a you know it's going to be like playing a league on match against a good Lille team or a good Monaco team. Right. I think they 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 sort of have that Monaco vibe to them where it's like it'll be tough. Like they'll they'll get chances, they'll create chances. They're not scrubs, but that kind of talent over ninety minutes is really hard to contain, especially when you don't have the experience or the type of defenders that you need for that. Like, this is just a different ball. It's a different level. Like, and Atlanta hasn't proven that they can go to that level. They play Juventus tomorrow. Yeah. And they can go out and play Juventus and beat Juventus, and then maybe they're putting PSG on notice. But, like, you have to see them do it first because they've never, you know, really played a team like PSG, they played Manchester City. They got whooped 5-1 in the first mm-hmm. match. And then the second match, I don't know when that... It was the, last, when the, it was the last game in the, of the group. So, I mean, City probably didn't really care that much. They knew they were through. Yeah, so pretty much, yeah. In that game, City still had the possession. They still had more shots. Um, the lineup in that match, yeah, they, were, they weren't really... <laughs> yeah, they, they played most of their guys. But okay. They, they, but they knew they were through. They may have played yeah. their guys, but, you know, it is what it yeah. is. So let's not give Atalanta too much credit that they don't deserve. Let's, you know, let's look at this objectively. And objectively, PSG is by far the better team. Like, by far. Like, there's not a contest here. <laughs> Again, PSG can slip on a banana peel. They've done it before. I think they're sort of past some of that. Yeah, and I think there's a different. It's going to be a different mentality going into these matches. I think they're going to see these as, see this as an opportunity, okay. as opposed to you know they're got you know I don't think they're worried about losing to Atlanta. I think they're going to go out there worrying more about beating them, which is a different sort of psychology. But I don't I don't see PSG being complacent. I don't see them taking this lightly. I, I think they've worked too fu- too hard. You know this this. This could have not even happened. This could have been all scrapped and we'll worry about it next year and this chance just goes away and it never comes back again. They got a shot here and I don't think they're going to take out I don't think they're going to just go into the game saying all, you know, the way they go into a game against Angers or Montpellier or Troyes or a team like that where it's like, "Yeah, we'll just show up, we'll kick the ball around and we'll eventually score a goal and then we'll win 2-3 nothing and we'll go home." They're not going to look at it that way. They're going to play at Atalanta like they would play a real, you know, Champions League match, and it is a real Champions League match. So don't expect. I don't expect PSG to be rusty all that much. I don't expect them to be. Um, I think they're going to have those two cup matches to get their legs under them and really get into that sort of big match pace. And th- this should be a PSG victory. They should qualify for the semifinal. And then you know take take it from there, and they're you know they hadn't they haven't been to that place since '95, and if they beat either Atletico or Leipzig, they're in the final. Like they're going to be in a Champions League final for the first time in their history in the 50th anniversary of the club. So I'm not I'm not thinking that if they if they go down to Atalanta, it's not going to be for a lack of effort or a lack of focus. It, right. it Atalanta will have to take the game from them. And I don't think they have the players to do that, but you also have to think that both Neymar and Mbappe, considering the year that they've had, both have had incredible years, scoring, assisting, everything. If, if, P, if they can lead PSG to a Champions League title, they'll be 1-2 and two for the Ballon d'Or. 
you got to think. I mean, they're going to be vying for that. So they know what, and, and they know that how much that award means to both of them. And even if Neymar doesn't win it, to go to PSG and lead them to their first Champions League title, that, you know, validates his leaving Barcelona. I mean, so, so much is on the line for both of these players. I can't imagine that they're going to roll into this match and not perform up to their expectations and then allow their teammates to not play up to the level that they expect. And so I think PSG are going to show up and they're just, they're going to whoop Atlanta. Like they just don't have the players and they're, they're just going to whoop them. It's one game. They're probably going to sit back a little bit, let Atalanta come at them, absorb that pressure and then just unleash Mbappe's speed and Neymar's playmaking ability. Di Maria's playmaking ability. Oh, I guess he can't play, but you know, we've got so many playmakers. Di Maria can't, well, remind me because it's been like five months. (laughs) I think it's just Di Maria can't. I think he's suspended. Yeah. But, I think Neymar's on. A, I think Neymar's on a yellow too. But yeah, he's he probably has to be careful. Is he on a yellow for the for the uh, Emery Chan incident? I think he is. Yes. Yeah. Towards the end, he did get one. I think that's where Di Maria got. Um, yeah. But okay. Too. But Verratti's back. Yep. You can play it four three three. You can put Sarabia in that spot if you want. Sure. So you have op. You have options to to make to make it work i mean not having Di maria isn't nothing like that you know that it does sort of it takes another tool out of the out of the box sure but considering you beat dortmund with mbappe sick for the most part and you didn't have Varadi, i feel like we were missing some other players too and and we advanced we came from behind to advance so everyone on on social media wants to reference the the psg of 2017 and 18 and the past failures and they just don't realize that it takes a little while for a team to gel. Tuchel has now been here for a little while. He's getting his system in place. Like, It's stupid to just keep thinking that this PSG is the same old PSG. They, they, they have a good squad that's been together for a couple seasons now. and You've got to give them their respect. And, and you can give Atalanta respect for what they've accomplished as well. But to think that they are on the same pedestal as PSG is laughable. And I was just looking at some of the tweets. I put together an article. You know, you've got, you know, James Horncastle. He writes a lot about Serie A for uh, The Athletic, I believe. And he's like, Atalanta, a team that loves nothing more than to come back against a team that, well, you know, referencing all the failures of PSG. And then David Amoyal, he was like, PSG fans who think they got a good draw against Atalanta are like the family in Parasite who didn't think there was someone hiding in the basement. Spoiler alert there. So you've, you've got all these, you know, football pundits, hipsters and everything, you know, thinking that, Atalanta is going to get one over on PSG, and I just don't see it happening. Look at Ray Hudson's picking PSG to, to get to the final. So, I guess what I want to get your thoughts on is this rust thing. Um, everyone's saying you know Syria is playing and playing every day in and out is is going to help Atalanta compared to PSG, who their league has been shuttered uh, due to to the coronavirus and. They don't realize that PSG will play at least five games. Two of them will be cup finals. Um, they also don't realize that maybe playing every single day isn't a good thing. What if some of the best players on Atlanta come down with a coronavirus infection? Or what if they get injured well, or just fatigue yeah, that, or something? That, that's another knife that can cut both ways. Like, it can. It you, can. You, but here's the, here's the thing with, with Rust. I think that PSG are going to need to be very careful with how they – work these players back because it's a it's a balance like they're gonna play on sunday and i wouldn't expect to see the starters you know playing for more than say 30 minutes Mm -hmm. i don't see them going longer than 30 i think they need to just they they have to rotate their starters in everyone everyone gets to play get some of the under 19s in and just, you know, rotate at will and make sure that you get those guys 30 minutes. And I think you could get them a nice 30 minutes and sort of a, a nice uh, calm friendly. Then you bump them up to a half. <laughs> then maybe you do, you know, 60 minutes the next game. And then maybe the, the cup final you do 70 minutes or something, mm-hmm. you know, 75 minutes. Because let's be clear, you know, winning the cups is important. I guess, but with this opportunity, you are not push. If guys aren't ready to go 90 minutes, you're not pushing them to go 90 minutes. Well, we did see where PSG clearly, I mean, Neymar 
I guess, had an injury. But PSG did not play him leading up to that first game against Dortmund, and he complained afterwards that he wanted to play, but PSG held him out. So he seems like a guy that wants to play and get into rhythm, and I think you have to listen yeah, well, to him and, and also well, play it safe. But the, what I'm saying, though, is like you have the three the three uh, friendlies to build up minutes. Yeah, sure. So you can get them to, to where they've played a half. Which is what you want to do in that for in those first three games. Then you want to use the next two games to sort of get them into the 75, 80 minute range, and then that last friendly on the fifth, they got to go full ninety and see if you you know play a full. They at some point they have to play a full ninety minutes before they play a full ninety minute game against Atlanta. Like you can't have them playing halves and then all of a sudden put them into a full game. Yeah. So they really have to figure out how they're going to – because they're coming off four months. They've already been practicing for about three weeks. They're going to be practicing for about three weeks before the first game mm-hmm. against La Havre. Yep. So they've been they've been out there since the 22nd. Yeah, some, some, Yeah, for some extent. So it's not like they just got there. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to need a steady hand. And we've had issues with this in the past. And, you know – there's going to have to be a trust that the you're going to have to push the body to an extent, maybe a little more than you'd want, because six games is it's more than I thought they'd have, but it's not a lot. If you can get rid, you know, your rhythm by the seventh match, then you know that would be ideal, and you want to get them into that rhythm as best you can, but you also can't. Um, you don't want the muscle injury, and the muscle injury comes from, you know, either wear and tear or you haven't worked enough. It's like those injuries, and it's been the PSG Achilles heel over the years. Is you know, the, them them not doing the training right and not getting the regimen right. So they really have to make sure they get this right. But but I guess my thing is like everyone says, oh, league on's not competitive and. It, it doesn't prepare them for the Champions League. And then when they don't have the league, it's like, oh, well, they need it to get prepared. They need it to get games. And it's like, I feel like their practices, I, you've seen the footage. It looks pretty competitive in the practice. I mean, these are world-class players going up against each other in training. I feel like that plus five or six games is more than enough to get them up to speed. These aren't guys that have been like sitting around eating Doritos watching Netflix. Like They've been working out and getting their cardio in. Like These are some of the best athletes in the world, they're going to be ready to go. I don't know how much, like, okay, five or six games, do they really need more than that? Like, how, how many games would they need to play where you're like, okay, they, they don't have any more rust, they're ready to go? Well, that's that's tough because they're not going to be, you know, there's, there is something to the idea of you when you get a lot of games under you that you have sort of a, you, you get sort of used to the running and your legs sort of adapt to it. And there's, you know, usually PSG's played four or five friendlies plus like six or seven regular season matches before they get into Champions League group stage games. Yeah, right. They're going to have less than that. So it's not going to be ideal. You know, you'd want probably something like 10 to 12 where you really get into like you really get into that rhythm and they've really done it for a long stretch of time. I mean, can't they just scrimmage and like, isn't that what they're doing in training? They're running. I mean, I mean they are, but there is a difference between scrimmaging your team and then going out and actually playing a real game. Cause you, you, you know, let's the first match, you know, if people are expecting much, they're not going to get much. The first match is that they're going to play against Lahab on Sunday. is going to be really boring. Like, they're just going to kind of kick the ball around and make sure they can still make passes to each other. <laughs> like, it's not going to be anything impressive. See, so I, don't, I, I disagree. I think they are so eager to play. They're going to get out there and just try to overdo it almost. Like, Tuchel's going to have to rein them in. I think they're so eager to play. That's just my I, impression from seeing some of the training footage. Yeah, but I think they have, they, they're have. they smarter than that. Yeah. They, know the, they know the long game. Yeah. There's a long game they're playing. They're, they're not going to empty any bit of their tank for Le Havre. This is a game to... <laughs> This is a game to basically get your legs under you and, and sure. you know, it's not going to, it's not going to be pretty. And then you, hopefully you're in a good spot by the cup matches. They can get you to shake off some rust. Leon's going to be playing for something. They're going to be playing for a champions league spot for a Europa league spot with that game. Since it's the end going to be playing for a Europa league spot with that game. So like, they're going to get a teams that are playing hard. Like 
So it's going to be two really competitive matches, you know, at least, you know, physica- you know, with the physicality. And then I guess on the on um, Adelana's side is like how many of these Serie A teams are really competing like Leon and St. Etienne would? Some of them may be battling for a place in Europe, but how many is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. How many tough games are they really getting? There is that. That's that's a point you can make because, you know, Sassuolo isn't exactly going out there and, and, you know, lighting the world on fire or, or, you know, Florentina or or Udinese. In Syria, it's not what it used to be. It's not the... You know the show the show place uh, league that it used to be. Like I mean, pretty much the the two thousands early two thousand ten Syria was the league. Like yeah. that was the best league in the world. Then La Liga took that spot. But you know, it's it's going to be an issue. It would we'd be lying to say that the that the rust won't be a complete issue. But still, talent in the end, if the talent is you know ready enough, they'll come through. Like it's not, you know, I don't, I don't think that rust is going to be the reason PSG would lose to Atalanta. I, you know, it might be the reason you lose to a Bayern Munich because honestly, that level is just another. Yeah. You know, we talk about, and I've talked about this before. There's levels that you have to reach to win big time football matches. Like you, you have to get into that. You have to get to that level and then get to a level above it. And, like, Atalanta is good, but they don't present that level, like a Real Madrid at its best or a a Juventus at its best or a Bayern at its best, where it's like you have to get to that level. Yeah. And if you haven't played in four months and you've only played six matches leading up to it, it's harder to get up to that level because you don't have it in the tank. You don't have the extra reserve in the tank to get up to that level. Against a team like Atalanta, which is why this draw was so advantageous, it's that PSG doesn't have to necessarily get to that, you know, lung-busting level. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to have to work hard. They're going to have to play, you know, uh, uh, they're going to have to play their, you know, nearly best. But they're not going to have to get any higher than I think they normally would against Monaco or Marseille or Lyon with their best. Like it's going to be a competitive league unmatch. That to me, that's what I look at it like. It's a competitive league unmatch, like against OL, where you're not. You can make mistakes and still be in the match. You can, you can have a lapse in judgment here or there, and you'll still have a chance to win it at the end. You'll get your chances. They'll get their chances, but you'll probably get slightly more chances. You know, it's going to be like that it's not going to be high intensity big level football that's a different game that i don't you know that i think is going to be tough and it's possible psg won't have to you know they'll probably if they have to play atletico they'll have to get there yeah maybe not the whole match but they'll have to get there and then obviously by the final they'll be playing an elite team they'd have to get to that level you know at in a match like that where it's like you know, where it just, you know, it just becomes like autopilot. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to think you're just acting. You're just moving in the flow of the game and you don't have to think about it. And you know where the pass is going to go and you know where your teammates going to be and you know where to defend and you can feel the, the run being made behind you. Like that's stuff that you get with reps. Like that's, you get that stuff when you're like, you've played a bunch of games in a row and you know, okay, that guy's making a run behind me. I can feel it as opposed to falling asleep and missing a run from somebody behind you and that guy ends up scoring. So, you know, PSG are going to have to work their way back to that level to win ultimately. But Atalanta, I don't see them being the type of team that can bring that sort of level of, you know, there's the old saying of bringing bringing somebody into the deep water and and making them gasp for air. I don't think Atalanta is that team. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And I would say a lot of the sentiment um, around them, just what I'm seeing on social media, is it's definitely Erling Alon-esque, where it's like that guy could just do no wrong and he was like the savior for 
everyone in football punditry to take down the evil PSG, and he failed, obviously, and now it's Atalanta. Can they take down the evil empire that is PSG? You know, Are they going to be the ones to do it? And so they're the darling of, of everyone that's not a PSG supporter. Um, but it sounds like you think, and I also agree that I, I don't. I, I just can't see PSG losing this one as long as they show up. And and it's a game where they can make a few mistakes and not be punished that much against a Bayern Munich. Yeah, you make a mistake, they're probably going to punish you. But I think PSG could get away with an error here or there, which is probably going to happen just considering they haven't played a lot of games. So I think they there's some margin uh, for error there. But Tuchel really he thrives in this. He's going to have a month to prepare for Atalanta. He's going to get plenty of time to, to see them. You mentioned on Saturday Saturday they play Juventus. He's going to be able to watch them there um, and, and start working on his tactics. And, and PSG, they don't really have anyone really to prepare for. So they can yeah. maybe go out against Le Havre or Celtic and kind of run some of the tactics that they would play. And I don't think they're going to do much different. I think yeah. PSG has a, has a style of play. In these big matches, I think it's clear over the last couple of years what that strategy is. And I don't think it's going to be all that surprising when you get to this match that PSG are going to play a little bit more defensive. They're not going to just sort of go all out assault yeah. in the sense that they're, they're going to be sturdy defensively. They're going to try to get the early goals. They're going to try to put Atalanta in a position where they have to attack them. And... You know, and that's part of partly it too, which is PSG have a major advantage. PSG can fall behind mm-hmm. and attack Atalanta and still score. Like if Atalanta falls behind, yeah, they've made comebacks before, but then you have to watch the back door, and Atalanta doesn't have the defensive individual talent to watch the back door if they have to sell out and attack and and there's no doubt that that's what they're gonna they're gonna sell out and attack they don't have the defense that's their only way that they win this yeah but you know it also it's also you know they can for one night they can be decent defensively but you know it's hard to shut out psg in a champions league match they're gonna score one or two just you know by showing up like I'm trying to remember the last time PSG were legitimately shut out by a in a Champions League match. It doesn't really happen at all. No. So it's not like it's not like you expect Atalanta to shut them down. So you expect PSG to you know at the very least score a goal or two. So you you expect them to score more, but you're starting at a baseline where PSG's probably at a baseline, you know, at a basement of two goals in this mm-hmm. match. Mm-hmm. So Atalanta now has to score two goals just to get even and then probably score three or four. Yeah. You know, if for the style of play they want, and I think PSG have learned to be able to control matches without the ball, which is a, which is the thing that it, it really is the thing. Like we talk about all the things you need to, to be able to win high level football matches. The thing is, and the real thing, the thing that matters is you have to be able to control the game without the ball. And for so many years, PSG could only control the game if they had the ball. And if they lost the ball, they were automatically on the defensive and they were automatically in a place of disadvantage. Again, go back to the 6-1. They couldn't manage the game without the ball. And they needed to because obviously Barcelona were going to have the possession. Oh yeah, And obviously they were going to attack. And obviously, PSG were going to have to survive those attacks after attacks. And they had no strategy for that. They had no plan for that. They had no ability to do it. Now, PSG can control the game without the ball. They can, they have that, they doing, they've gotten much better at when a player has the ball just outside the box, collapsing that player and forcing bad shots. They've learned how to deal with crosses in a better way than they've had in the past. Mm-hmm. They've learned the ability to sort of position themselves for counters so that they can release the they can release the pressure on their defense when they have to. They've developed, you know, all of these skills that take years to develop, and they've finally sort of gotten up to a place where it's not perfect, but they they're pretty darn close. 
and that's and, why I don't understand why people keep thinking this is the you know the six one PSG team. It's like teams evolve; they get new players, they learn, <laughs> they develop. Like that that mentality applies for every other team in Europe, but for PSG, they are the same old capitulating team as always. Well, yeah, because you know they they never well, and I understand some of this is that PSG never gets the never gets the benefit of the doubt. Never. Um, there, there was one. Um, I, I got to give them a shout out. Um, the AC Milan offside blog, SB Nation, they did tweet something positive. They said, for all the talk of Atalanta as a sneaky pick over PSG because they're red hot and talented while PSG haven't had minutes in a while, don't forget there are really no potent attacks in Serie A like PSG's. Not even close. Atalanta was flattened when they had to play one in Manchester City. So that's a person who is well versed in Serie A and understands that there is no comparison to PSG, Mbappe, and Neymar in Syria, and to think that Atalanta is just going to come in and play their game and and pull one off on PSG. Maybe if PSG just sleepwalks through the whole thing and, and scores in their own net, sure. But if they sh- if PSG shows up, and I think they will, they know what's on the line, three games, three against two relatively easier opponents as compared to Bayern Munich and Barcelona, three games in your Champions League winners. They're going to show up for this game. There's not going to be – you don't have to let Mbappe and Neymar know. They're going to take care of business. Look, this is a – and I'll sort of – we can move on to another yeah. you know, topic after this. But, you know, this is their moment. Mm-hmm. Like, they know. Like, they're looking at this and it's like, look, to win the Champions League, you need a few things. You need the talent. You need the coaching. You need the luck. And for a really long time, PSG have not had the luck. They got lucky here. Let's just be honest. Yeah. This is the best possible draw they could have got. And yes, can they slip on a banana peel and lose to Atalanta or lose to a Leipzig in the semifinals? Yes, of course they can. We're not saying that it's not going to happen or that it couldn't happen. What we're saying is, and I think this is really where, you know, this is, I think, the good balance of reality versus our hopes and aspirations lies. They should win both of these games. If they are at their physical peak or at least close to it, if they can do what they need to do, if they can play the kind of games that they have been playing the last two years when they've needed to play them in those big matches that they've won, and if they stay under control and stay disciplined, which is also, you know, something that I think Thomas Tuchel has brought, which I yeah. didn't expect. No. I didn't expect this team to, you know, pull out the boa constrictor. But when they do, like, they can shut a team down. Like, I, I again, I don't think people understand that PSG have this ability. And, you know, take, take it lightly at your own peril. Because PSG can just choke the life out of teams. It's a slow strangulation. You just bad shots. They create. They make you take bad shots. They have the ability to counter. They can bite you on the counter. They can attack you early in games. They can pin you in your own end. They're very multifaceted in what they can do. If everyone's sort of on and doing what they need to, do. so yeah, you know this is the draw. This yeah. is what they needed. This is you know this is a perfect golden opportunity, and they really can't let it slip. There's no excuse here. There's no, oh, there's, you know, oh, there's this and there's that. There's just no excuse. It's, you just have to go win the games. It, They're right there for you. It's not unlike the second leg against Manchester United, where PSG were just far and away the better team. And we all know what happened, but as long as in this game, you know, Tilo Kara doesn't kick the ball lazily back towards his own goal and leads to a goal and as long as we're not on the wrong side of a VAR decision, you know, Kimpembe's handball and all the other stupid mistakes we made in that game. Like that, those level of mistakes is what would need to happen, I think, for Atalanta to win this game. And I just don't see PSG making those mental mistakes anymore. They learned yeah, from that. Those were, yeah. And the, to make those mental mistakes, and the reason they made those mental mistakes, I, I've, you know, thought about it too. And it's like, they were just, I think, in a no-win situation with that, with that match, because it just the more the closer you got to it, the more people, Man United were losing. Mm-hmm. They basically brought in under seventeen. They basically conceded the 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 tie 
Like, let's, you know, they basically did before the match. <laughs> they really did. And and PSG just sort of got spooked by that. Like, I, I, I genuinely think, like, they just, they couldn't handle being that heavy of a favorite. They just couldn't, they couldn't mentally put themselves in the right mind frame. It became, we have to win this game. We can't screw it up. We're, like, the opportunity is right here. Let's do it. You know, Neymar is going to come back and we're all going to be, and it just didn't work. Yeah. I don't think they're in that place anymore. I think they're in a different place. Yeah. So I, I don't expect that to happen. That win over Dortmund is huge for their just mentality. And I, I think this is a different team. So uh, let's keep it moving. We've got about 10 minutes left here on, on the show. And I uh, wanted to get to some of these Twitter questions. So this one comes from at PSG AJ. And he wants to know, Tiago Silva and Marquinhos in midfield or Marquinhos in defense and Idrissa Gay in midfield? What are you doing with those players? I mean, it's early. You don't know who's going. You know, you're gonna have to figure out who's got the you know the better hand going into the match. Like you, you don't you don't want to have a guy out there that's not quite up to the fitness. Mm-hmm. I I think it, you you don't want to overcomplicate this. I think Thiago Silva shouldn't be starting. Yeah, like maybe Atalanta is a game where he might be useful in the sense that they don't have the kind of dominant striker that can bully him a bit. I think Silva might be able to play in a game like this. But you saw in that that first Dortmund leg, Halan just ate him apart. Like uh, the Halan just ate him up. Like yeah. just he just doesn't have the physical size and strength and youth to like deal with that. So, you know, this game might be possible to put Silva in and he won't. Maybe it'll be a little better in the sense that you're just being a little more conservative with your defensive back pairing. But I wouldn't be I think Marquinhos and Kimpembe have figured it out. I think you'd be fine that way, too. And I I don't know what the midfield looks like yet. I think without Di Maria you're not forced to play with those four up front. And I don't necessarily think you want to play with that many attackers if you don't have to against a team like Atalanta. Yeah. Because you're not, you know, it. Di Maria is unique in that way. Like you can put him, Di Maria essentially is the fourth, he's the fourth attacker and he's the third midfielder. You know, he sort of plays that role. I don't think Sarabia is that guy. So you may not want to like shoehorn him in to that spot, but you know, a Cardi's, you know, I would think a Cardi's going to play. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I'm not sure about that, but I think he's going to play. Mbappe's. I, I would want him, you know, I would want Mbappe on the wing. Yeah. I running. I, I don't want him in the middle. Cause I, I do think it makes it easier for Atalanta to, to take him out of the game, but you know, I, I that midfield is still tricky because do you need a dis, do you you have to go and look at it? It's case by case, and this is a this is a good luxury to have. Like, do you want somebody like Paredes who can, you know, essentially make Verratti the destroyer? Like Verratti goes out there, he's you know he doesn't have um, he doesn't have a yellow card issue anymore, right? So do you have Verratti sort of be the destroyer who attacks, you know, who sort of is aggressive while, you know, Paredes is back there sort of distributing? Or do you want Idrissa Gay to be the the destroyer and Verratti sort of sits back and passes? I think I like that a little bit better. And, and don't rule out Ander Herrera. You know, he's healthy depending on how he performs and. You know, Tuchel gives him a chance to play in these friendlies and, and the cup finals. I mean, that's a, a midfielder you got to think is in the running to start along with maybe Paredes if, if Tuchel goes I, I in the middle. Herrera is a tough one because I, I think Herrera, I don't know if there's a question about people coming off the bench, but I think Herrera makes more sense off the bench because yeah. he sort of is he's sort of in the middle of that. So, like, tactically you can sort of put him in and he can sort of fill whatever midfield hole you want him to. And Herrera can even sort of play off the wing if you, you know, he, he can kind of like do right back stuff. So like he's a little more, he's a little more versatile than you, you know, you, you want your midfield pair to, to make sense. 
you know, and to work together and to have that chemistry. And Herrera doesn't really have chemistry with those guys. But off the bench, he could possibly work if you needed him. There was a question um, about subs. I'm trying to find because you you get you're going to get five subs, I believe it is, um, in the Champions League, right? It's supposed to get five. Yeah. So you know, you could see Sarabia would be a great super sub off the bench. Uh, like you said, Herrera could be a good sub off the bench. Um, well, this is another this is another question. You know, not to go back to Atlanta, but where's Atlanta's depth here? Right. Because PSG are going to have the depth. They're going to be missing Di Maria, but you can bring in, you can, you can Draxler, adjust. Draxler, Sarabia. Draxler, Sarabia. I, I mean, I, I think about it. The, the, the subs are going to, yeah, I think Sarabia would come in maybe to replace like a Cardi. Yep. So then you have Neymar and Mbappe and Sarabia as sort of your attacking. And then Draxler can come in in midfield if he looks like he's, can give you something. Herrera is there too. Um, Kurzawa, you can bring in. I think Tuchel's used him as a sub in the last Champions League game. You know he can. Did Bernat play? Bernat play? Yeah, Bernat played yeah. in the second one. Yeah. Um, you don't have Munier, so you you know your your right back situations. Kerr and Dagba. Dagba. Yep. But I think Kerr would start. I think Kerr is better defensively. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think if you've got Marquinhos, um, Kepembe, Carer, and Bernat, that's about as good backline you're gonna get right now. You're gonna lock it down, and then in the midfield, Tuchel can decide if he wants to go two or three. He's got lots of options. I don't know if Atalanta can say the same thing. So it'll be very interesting to see what Tuchel wants to go with there. Um, I'm just going through some of the questions here. Um, see if anyone else had a good one. We kind of talked about someone asked what is the uh, starting lineup we think is going to be, and I think we kind of covered that. So who do you think will sub? A lot of questions about lineup stuff, and that was pretty much. Oh, uh, yeah, and I, I know, and, I guess, and I, I guess, you know, what I'll ask you, what would your, if you, if let's just say a month out, we don't know a lot, yeah. but if we had to, you know, gun to our head, put a lineup out there, what would you put out there? And I'll, I, I'll give you mine. Yeah, I think I really like, the idea of Sarabia. I like the idea of four attackers. I know that could be a little dangerous, but he, you know, he scored against Real Madrid. I just think he's a guy that's like sneaky and a big game. And, you know, they may concentrate too much on stopping Neymar and Mbappe and, and Sarabia can kind of squeak through it and get a goal. I, I like the idea of going with your front four of, you know, Icardi, Mbappe, Neymar, and Sarabia. And then in the midfield, Idrissa Gay and Verratti. And then that back four, like I said, Bernat, Kimpembe, Marquinhos, and Kerr. Uh, that would be my starting lineup. And Navas, obviously. Oh yeah, Navas, of course. Yeah, not Sergio Rico. Yeah. Um, so, just you know, just to be complete, um, mm-hmm. I, I would say yeah, Navas in goal. I, I'm with you on the back four. I think you know Silva's an option, but I don't think he's your. Um, I don't think he's your primary option. Mm-hmm. I think Kimpembe is proven himself and you can always with five sub with five subs you can make that change if it seems like it's not working so it's not it's if it was three subs i'd be a little more worried but since you have the extra sub you can use it if if Kimpembe seems to be not having one of his better days yeah sure um Vera- i would say this is interesting i think the midfield is the most interesting part because i think you can do the attacking four because sarabia can defend mm-hmm and then you're playing with really it's a fourth it becomes sort of a 4-3-3 kind of look. So I think Sarabia can defend. The question is Gay or uh Paredes. And I almost lean Paredes in a game like this cuz I don't mm. see Atalanta being as I don't think you need the I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's a that that there's the there's the interesting <laughs> uh point. I think my gut is telling me Paredes because I feel mm-hmm. like he can he can help them control some of the midfield to keep Atalanta from sort of getting possession in those bad areas. But also you want Idrissa Gay defending in those areas too. So really it's a question of do you want to control the ball in that sort of right outside the box area where Atalanta can be dangerous? Or do you want to have a guy there that can short circuit Atalanta's attack. 
So it's it's sort of it, it depends on if you think you're going to have a majority of the possession. I so mean, if you think you're going to have a majority yeah. of the possession, you want Paredes in there. But if you think that you're going to sit back and let Atlanta come at you, Idrissa Gay might be the option to just break things up and let Verratti be the creator. Hmm. So it's an interesting play. Again, gun to my head, I would say Paredes. Okay. But that's not that's I'm not 100 percent on that. But to 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 you know finish through with the exercise, yeah, I think that would be the way you go. Okay. Um, I guess you could always I, for me. I think Idrissa Gay is just the better overall player, and you have five subs. So if it's not working out after 45 minutes, you can always change it up. You know, same Agreed. thing with Tiago Silva. You can always make a, a quick a quicker change than maybe you would yeah. with only three subs. So that's yeah, all I think about. It is, and I, it again, it comes down to what you, how you think the game's gonna go. Like you, you, you don't know what what the possession's gonna look like in a game like this. I assume it's gonna be more even because I don't think Atalanta's gonna sit back. I think Atalanta's gonna try to do what they do. Like yeah. there's no reason not to. So it's interesting, but I don't know if they have the. T- I think Paredes might be the option, but again, I'm not 100 percent married to that idea. Yeah. I guess we'll find out in the uh, upcoming games who plays more uh, in the midfield. Yeah. And because I gotta imagine Tuchel's gonna try out some different lineups, try some different tactics, regardless of whether it's Celtic or La Havre or whatever. He's just gonna try yeah. to get them ready to play whatever game he wants them to play against uh, Atalanta. It's all gonna be leading up to that. That's what they're all looking forward to. It's what we're looking forward to. Um, Mark, that was all the the questions we had on Twitter. We're over an hour. That was a good discussion. Um, we're going to have lots more discussion about not only this game, but the two domestic cup finals. We'll have we'll probably do another podcast next week after the first friendly. I don't know how much yeah, we'll have we'll, to talk about. But but we'll definitely do one before the cup. We'll definitely do one after the first three. Yeah, for sure. So after the first three, before the, the cup matches start, because we, we're definitely going to want to analyze mm-hmm. where we are with those three games and what we're seeing. But um I, I said this on Twitter, and I'll, I'll I'll put the call out here. If there's anybody out there who likes Atalanta, whose you know main club is Atalanta, and can speak English, we'd be very happy to have that perspective. Because it doesn't even need to be good English. I mean, we barely can you know pronounce things, so you don't have to speak fluent. <laughs> but yes, if, and we, again, I, I and I make that distinction. You know, Syria, there are plenty of people who can talk about Syria and have watched a few Atalanta games. We're looking for, you know, Atalanta fan who, you know, watches the club all the time, who lives and breathes the club, because that's where you get the that's where you get the sort of the good information yeah. to somebody who watches it every day. Do you know where Atalanta is in Italy? I don't know if I could it, find it on a map. I think it's in like the lumber, the Lombardy region. Like, it, I think okay. that was the whole that was the whole thing where you know, they they got hit with that you know uh, late, in like late February they got hit with that you know coronavirus right in that area. Isn't that that's where Riccardi's lake home is? I think that's where he went. Yeah, over there. Interesting. Okay. Well, well I'm I'm looking that up quickly, but uh, <laughs> Atalanta location. Yeah. Uh, Bergam Bergamasca, Cal- yeah, Bergamasca. Bergamasco. Like, I'm, I'm talking like I know where that is. Um, Bergamo, Italy. So Bergamo, Italy is, yeah, it's in the Lombardo region. Yeah, it's, it's northern Italy. Well, PSG won't be traveling there. All these games are going to be in Lisbon um, So in, in August. So we'll, we've got that to look forward to. Um, we'll wrap up the show. You can always find me at PSG Talk on Twitter. Make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast, The 1970, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a little review for us if you wouldn't mind. Um, Mark, how can people find you on Twitter if they want to respond to anything you said today? Oh, well, they can find me at Mark Damon one. Wonderful. Well, thank you everyone. Oh, for oh, listening. oh, oh wait, sorry. Wait, go ahead. Wait, wait, sorry. I, well, before we, before we wrap the show up, I know we've been an hour, but <laughs> I want to just make a note on, uh, Monday. Okay. The CAS will be, uh, bringing their ruling of the Manchester city UEFA case. Yes, and it seems like they're going to get off scot-free from what I can see from early reporting. Well, well what are you getting in that reporting? Because that's, that's kind of important. I saw it on Twitter. It was someone, a blue check, football Twitter, you know, media member, said it looks like they're going to not be penalized and they'll be able to 
participate in the Champions League. I'll find the tweet and, and retweet it. Well, yeah, but that's interesting because I think this is going to go a long way to saying because PSG challenged it and um, and won. They yeah. challenged, and it seems like what's happening, and I'll be brief on this, but it seems like what's happening is that um, UEFA made these rules and they didn't think them through all the way and that these clubs are finding certain levels of loopholes. And I wonder if the leaked emails are going to come back and bite UEFA and the fact that they built the case around those emails. I, I'm, cur- I'm curious as to how this gets ruled. I really am, because it's going to go a long way. They've already relaxed the financial fair play rules for the pandemic. I'm really curious as if they use that to sort of wean clubs off of them and sort of get rid of them and come back with something else. So, like, if they lose this case, I think UEFA is going to have to really rethink those rules. And I think there's a way to do it, but that's for another time. Yeah, But just, just keep an eye on that because that's going to be – that's an important decision that affects a lot of things going forward. It's been reported that um, Pep is confident they'll escape punishment. And like I said, I'll, I'll retweet it, but don't be surprised if uh, they, they don't uh, get banned. So – yeah. Yeah. So there's that. All right. Well, we'll have more on that story and other PSG topics. So make sure you just keep following along and uh, we'll catch you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Au revoir for now.